They're taking Cherubin Pot strewn strategically along the daily. Chatter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So I said, Remate, I don't care what the internet says. I'm not putting that in my mouth. Smith! Oh, hey, what's going on? More! Rob, 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 Rob. look at the time, man. Oh, Come man. on, we gotta go. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos, welcome to the tinny for another Friday or Saturday or however, however or wherever you're listening and getting a mullet up here. I hope it's been a lovely week and as we head into the weekend that you're looking forward to getting back out onto the blue. If this wind ever eases off that just seems to be continually pounding. Unusually windy it, it feels like and unusually chilly in the mornings for um, September as we all await the proper stink to descend upon the top end and um, warm up the water temperatures across the billabong. Couple of comps on recently, there's one this weekend over in Groot, we'll take you there. Have a look at how the billabongs fished at the Secret Women's Business uh, last uh, weekend. And some disturbing news on the daily about little baby Barramundi and their failure to thrive, thanks to... uh, you know, one of the worst wet seasons on record. I suppose it's no great surprise as fishos, but it's not particularly good news. A lot of what we already expected. Big news of the last week, though, uh, is that the government has deferred its blood alcohol for boaties decision. Deferred indefinitely. Not sure why they didn't use the word cancelled or abandoned. So, as you've noted at ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook, deferred indefinitely uh, raises some questions and we'll have plenty for Warren DeWitt in just a moment's time. Rocky Edwards is with us this week on the Tinny, though. How are you going, Rock? I'm good. I'm, I'm very good. Yeah, I don't know why they just don't abandon it. Mm. You know, I, I think that you're just toying with people. It's like torture. It is a bit, isn't it? It is. It's <laughs> like, you know, you're going to have it? No, you're not. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, all I've heard from you this week, uh, Rock, is I smashed it. Well, this is what happens when, for the first time in many years, I didn't enter the secret women's business competition. So you get serious FOMO, and I had a lot on. I'm actually just about to embark on a month's worth of fishing, so I can't complain. Mm. So I actually went down to Hardy's for a fish. You couldn't stand not fishing. That's right. <laughs> so you, you know, you think, oh, no, I'll, I'll give it a miss yeah. this year. I'll, I've got a lot on. I've got to prepare for this big trip. I'm taking people into Kakadu for 10 days and then I'm off to Queensland to fish for three weeks. So I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, I, I really do need to get my stuff together and organise myself and I just can't fit it all in. And But, um, I, but I can and I have to. Well, it comes around and all of a sudden it's like everyone's going. I'm going to miss out. You know, that FOMO feeling, yeah, they yeah. say. So I went to Hardy's and, um, and I say I smashed it because I'm envious of, of course, 
the, uh, the, the champion skipper of SWB again, Tash Rammers, who does really smash it. Yeah, she does. <laughs> so I, I don't know that I smash it like she does, but anyway. It's a good trip, though. Yeah, it was really successful, but it is very shallow in parts, and if we don't get any rain soon, I don't think you'll get boats in there, really. Um, we were I'm in a small boat, so we were just able to get over some of the, the shallow bits, and there's about three areas that were pretty, yeah... Not not good. We had um, to scrape through. Had to really scrape through to get across. And like I said, not a big boat. So any of the bigger boats would struggle getting into Hardy's, into the main part anyway. So mostly Toga or any barra around? No, some barra were there, but yeah, mostly Toga. But it was fun. We only fished for a few hours in the morning, and but we did, we'd got bites all morning. It was really good. Stay tuned to Tales from the Tinny for more from the bongs, particularly Corroboree, where the rap of uh, Tash Rammers will join us. As with Kelly Carroll, uh, the champion uh, angler and uh, runner-up champion angler from the comp. You're on Tales from the Tinny. Had a few tins and um, got a bit carried away. Oh, my goodness. The reel was just screaming. Freaking out a little bit. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get up, mama, love ya. Well, it was two years ago, Fishos, you might remember it well, when the Chief Minister, Michael Gunner, came into Tinny HQ to explain a big change for Territory Bodies. This is about changing culture and you can't be over 0.05 in charge of a car and simply the same rules in charge of a boat. So that was a couple of years back on the tinny. You'd remember well, Rock, it was met with howls of protest and scepticism about the evidence and why there was a need to target fishos over an antisocial behaviour problem. A couple of years on, they finally got that message. We looked at different ways to try and implement it in the Northern Territory and all of that was done in consultation with those peak bodies with AFANT, the Seafood Council. But we don't believe that this is a measure that um, is possible to implement in the Territory and that is why we have in the latest update of the Alcohol Harm Minimisation Report, which is our regular updates to the community on where we're at with putting in place these recommendations, we have said that we won't be putting this in place. Attorney General Natasha Files on Monday saying she's deferred the legislation indefinitely. Warren DeWitt is the Ayatollah of the DKVR. He's also president of AFANT, uh, no doubt welcomed by uh, by Catherineites and by AFANT themselves too, Warren. Yeah, it was a, um interesting announcement, I suppose. Something that we'd been hoping that would come forward is that common sense would prevail. I think the thing, the message that recreational anglers need to take on board and, and adhere to is that the responsibility is now up to us to prove that we are behaving ourselves on the water and that we don't need someone to stand over us to tell us how to behave when we're out yeah, there. Don't stuff it up now, fishos. Yeah, we need, exactly. we need the sober skipper. Mm. Well, yeah, we need some education. I mean, mm. that, that's definitely something that needs to be put into place and, and try and make sure that people understand that this is something that everybody enjoys, but we don't want to spoil it. You can go out and have a couple of beers and, and enjoy yourself on the water, but if you're going to overindulge, don't drive a boat for a start and behave yourself and look after other people who are out on the water because it's not just you that has got the opportunity to be out there and you can spoil it for everybody if you don't behave yourself correctly. It was the political move they had to make, though, in the face of the massive opposition. I mean, listen just to how these fishos described uh, their right to a beer on ABC Telly News on the weekend. In the US, and where you've got a right to bear arms... In the Northern Territory, it's been a right to have a beer while you're on a boat. And 
you can have pretty much as much as you want, and that's part of the culture up here. The territory is different than anywhere else, and this is one of the main reasons why people come here. And if you change it too much, people are going to disappear. Compared to the US right to bear arms, Warren, (laughs) (laughs) it is the reason people come here. (laughs) Well, in a way, I agree it is the reason why people do come here, because we are much more... Um, relaxed in our rules and we're not red taped too strongly out on the water and that's why people do enjoy it but at the same time I keep on harping back it is back to recreational fishermen and women to behave themselves correctly so that we don't have these laws pushed down our throat. If it's an indefinite deferral why wouldn't they have said we've cancelled the idea and we'll never do it? Deferral just by choosing Mm. that word means uh, maybe we'll wait till after the election and try again. Yeah, exactly. It is something that sort of hangs out there that you're not really sure which way they're actually going to go with this. I mean, in the end, you couldn't implement it in its present form because it was unenforceable. So they have to really go back and re-look at the whole suite of things if they ever want to introduce a blood alcohol for skippers on vessels on the water in the Northern Territory because there's a number of rules and regulations that have to come for first before you can actually put on that uh, uh, regulations on a skipper. Now, how's fishing on the Roper, Warren? Um, It's been pretty tough, actually. Um, There's been a few guys go down there during the week and found that the wind was just too strong out the front. It was very dirty. Um, There was a couple of fish that got caught out the front, but very, very quiet. And the water temperature's back way down low again, as we spoke about last week with that wind coming through. And it's been blowing, you know, 78 kilometres an hour gusts here in Catherine uh, during the week. So we're really experiencing probably one of the strongest highs and hardest wind that I've seen this dry season. And for the, to be doing it this late in the year is just um, unusual, it's I a, suppose it's you'd a, say. It's amazing, isn't it? The, the weather, just these cold mornings and these windy days just dragging on and on and on. Did the Vic fish any good last weekend or were there same challenges further down with winds? No, it did fish pretty good last weekend. Trent went out there on Sunday for a day and got 15 barra. The biggest was 80 centimetres. Um, so he caught quite a few fish um, down the bottom in that clear water like we spoke about would happen on these neap tides. Um, obviously, this weekend's tides, we've got a full moon on Saturday night, so you're going to have a lot of water coming back up the Vic and it's just going to turn upside down into a coffee colour. So this weekend's tides are not uh, conducive to going out there, but the following weekend, if you wanted to go back out there providing that wind has died off and the water temperature starts to improve because while Trent was out there on the Sunday, it was quite calm weather-wise. Monday it came through here, the the strong high started pushing up here and and guys who fished out there on uh, Tuesday and and Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday uh, reported fishing very hard because the water temperature dropped and the wind was so strong on the water that they had white caps coming up and down some parts of the the Vic. So what's happening out in the billabongs? I'm about to embark on a 10-day extravaganza on Saturday out towards Kakadu. What are you hearing? Very tough. I mean, because of the weather, obviously the, the temperatures aren't picking up too much. And the, there's no humidity, like 5% humidity in Darwin the other, other afternoon. So that gives you an idea of how dry it is. And the same thing down here in Catherine. I mean, you don't even get a sweat up doing anything down here at the moment. So that's how dry the air is. So whilst the daytime temperatures are going up to 36 or 35 degrees, it's still not the humidity there to start mm. building the temperature up or the humidity and getting the water temperature up as well because the night time it's dropping down nice and cool so the water temperature cools back down so much of the night time it hasn't had enough time to stay and start building up in its temperature. Are you really heading to PNG to chase bass? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm leaving on Sunday actually. Three months um, work a year 
off-riding horses <laughs> another week, go overseas, come back, go off-riding horses. You're living the dream, mate. I am actually living the dream. I, I mean, I, I just don't go fishing enough, which is the only disappointing thing. But I'm going to make up for it over in PNG because I've um, armed myself with the most um, heaviest rod I can find, biggest, yep. heaviest bait caster I can find, because I know that I'm about to tackle some of the toughest fish um, in Australia or in in the world, I suppose, as far as black bass go. So it'll be one of those um, bucket lists that you can tick off and say, "Well, I've been there and done that." Good on you, mate. We'll catch you again in a few weeks. Have a great trip. Okay. See you all later. Barra Froffy. Barra Froffy. Barra Froffy. Tales from the Tinny. Unreal. And Warren's celebrating his 60th over there in PNG, Rob. Yeah, that's a milestone birthday. Oh, mate. And what a hoot that's going to be because the crew is he, Alex Julius... Big Cole, who we hear from every now and again on the tin, he comes up and fishes the roper a bit. And Boof Fishos, if you've been around in the Territory for a while, you might remember the comedic duo that was, and probably still is, Warren and Boof. It'll be an interesting trip. <laughs> That'll be a hoot. It'll be great to be a fly on the wall with that group. Happy birthday, Warren. Well, we can all claim that as fishers, we're smart, we're intelligent, you know, we, we're into technique, we're into all sorts of things. We think we're fairly knowledgeable, well, don't we? We are all those things. Yeah. Well, we're, I, we're quite good looking too. I, I, well, some of us are. <laughs> but I reckon if you want to really prove yourself, there's an opportunity coming up. And it goes towards a good cause because reeling veterans are having a, a trivia night. Great. They're raising funds and that's a fantastic cause and something that's really quite relevant at the moment. For sufferers of PTSD, isn't it? Yes, mostly. A- and they yeah. and they take, take people out fishing basically for a bit of calm and yeah. solitude and resetting. And, and you don't have to be a sufferer to be involved and get involved with reel, reeling veterans. That's the yeah. good part about it. But anyway, they do have a trivia night coming up and they've got... Um, Lots of fishing-related prizes, mystery door prize, that sort of thing. Excellent. Tables are 10. It's on the 26th of September at the Trailer Boat Club. So if you want to attend and get involved, email info at reelingveterans.com. I saw online too this week on uh, Bookface, lots of fishos pretty well annoyed is the only word I can use on the tinny. But it was a little bit angrier than that uh, about yachties tying up their tenders all day at the Dinah Beach pontoon. Yeah. So on Sunday, they reckon there were zero spaces for fishos and, and families to tie up and go and get their cars. And some of them are calling for something to be done because apparently there's signs at the top saying not to do that. There is I've signs never read there. I've never, <laughs> never read them. You've never had to. You're not in a tender. No. Um, but, but lots of fishos want them threatened, you know, with boat confiscation and the rest. Because what happened on the weekend was because all the tenders from the yachts are tied up there, there were two families who had to hold on and tie up on the boat ramp side and it just shuts down one lane it does. Of, of launching and retrieving. But it's the only safe way they then can... Can do what they've got to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not yeah. their fault. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think it needs further investigation. You know, in, in some I mean, other... They, but the yachty's got to get off as well. They do, but I wonder whether we create another light pontoon area. Yeah, another pontoon. That's the answer. You know, yeah, let's just let's do that. So you're off for a month, Rock. 
I am. I'm I'm um, doing 10 days in Kakadu billabongs. God knows where. We'll work it out when we get y- there. You haven't sorted a plan yet? Well, kind of. We'll be kind of around the east and the south and Bit yellow, of yellow waters. waters maybe. Absolutely. Yep. And then we'll probably head towards the Marakai area, so Corroboree Hardies, those areas. Going to go into Red Lily and Bucket? Yes. Yeah, that's on the list. Yes, absolutely. We'd like to get into Four Mile Hole, but I believe the track is so bad that People are damaging their, their, their trailers and boats and stuff and not even going all the way through. They're turning around and getting out. Oh, true story. Yes, I'm hearing that. So, you know, unless they grade four-mile hole, I don't think we'll be going in, which is a shame because it'd be nice to show this off because the people I'm taking are from interstate. It's, um, it's often bad for Salvinia too. Have you heard anything about how two- and four-mile hole are going there? I haven't heard this year, but it was cleaned up last year. It was really good. Oh, was it? Yeah, so, you know, we... I'd been out a few years before that, and it was choked, really choked. So billabongs, then what? We're all in the Flathead Classic on the Gold Coast. The Flathead Classic? Yes, yeah. So I fish in a ladies' team down there. I think we're the only ladies' team in the Flathead Classic. Um, How How are your flathead fishing skills? Oh, I do okay. I do it's okay. really small, soft plastics. They generally roll off the bottom, don't they? Not necessarily. No, no. I've, I've, when I've been down there, I've used a lot of small lures, of course, but also fish traps and stuff like that. But barrel lures for some of the big... For flatties? Yep, absolutely. Th- thrown out on the mud flats. What's a big lizard? Oh, in the 80s. An 80s? Yes. Yeah, they get them, um, you know, the... the they really want it. The meter is the one that's really, really difficult to get. It's almost unheard of. So if you're getting fish up in the 80s, you're really on the board. You really oh. are. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, Rock. Enjoy the Flathead Classic and um, let us know how you go on your tour of, of Kakadu. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a voice. G'day. How's it going? It's BC here from the Darwin Flyrodders. Uh, we've just had our 20th anniversary saltwater challenge fly fishing comp out of Bino Harbour. Fishing with fly in the wind is great fun and it tests every angler to their extremities. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, we're out here in Berriman now and it's, it's, it's blowing its ring out already. How was it down at Bino on the weekend? It started off good in the morning but afternoon the winds came up. I think everyone pinned themselves or pinned their um, teammate with a fly, I mean, I know myself, I got pinned in the cheek. Luckily, it's only one hook, so it's, you know, if they don't go in, you just pull them out. <laughs> if, you, if you don't come away bleeding, you're not trying hard enough. That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> neat tides over the weekend. What was your strategy uh, for fishing fly down there? Yeah. Well, normally with the neat tides, you've got nice clean water to fish, so you can fish the flats, see the fish coming. Due to the wind's been up, it's been very milky and muddy, which made it really hard. Finding a place out of the wind where there was fish was the strategy those that found it cleaned up champion team Warren Jeffrey and his son Jared smashed it they were thousands of points in front of everyone um, they took out you know quite a few of the biggest fish and that's why they won it one story with them was Warren saw these fish coming in he's put the fly in front of him hooked up this nice big tarpon we're talking close to 60 centimeters this fish is headed off over the flats. Geez, that's a decent tarp on. It is, especially when it's got a bronze whale affair up its backside. Oi. Um, so he's just free spooled it, let this fish run. After losing about 200 yards of um, backing, which is braid, the shark lost interest and he wound the fish in. <laughs> Took out the biggest tarpon for the comp. Bronzy versus tarpon, wow. <laughs> So uh, this comp, um, are you trying to get as many species as, as possible? What you're trying to do is there's a nominated seven species. You've got your mackerel, 
your tarpon, barramundi, snapper, queenfish, GT and salmon. And the target is to get all of those in the one day on fly. How'd you go? I got five. Um, I managed to get a barra. There was only two barra caught for the whole comp. 22 people fishing for three days, two barra land. So there's just not a lot of barra out there at the moment. A lot of the locals out there have been saying, yes, there's barra there, but they haven't seen them in the quantities they were since the earthquake that was over in Timor. Um, it seems to have shut the place down. This year I've fished by now quite a few times. I've been finding it very up and down. I haven't been able to find the barra. Um, I fished the flats for probably three, four hours on the Saturday. Didn't see a barra. Didn't see one barra. And on neap tides, normally you see a lot of barra on the flats. Um, just didn't see them. Just I don't know where they were. We saw GT, saw Queenie, saw Salmon, saw every other species. Didn't see a barra. I mean, I did hear of a couple of the locals that went out at night and they got six or seven good-sized barra. Uh, that was bait fishing. So there's still holes out there you can get into, you know, drop a live bait down. You've got a good chance of getting a barra. They're just not up on the flats where we normally find them. Another story on there was um, we're fishing away in this gutter. This shark came up. I casted everything. So I've cast at this shark. It's followed the fly in, opened its mouth. Line came tight and I thought, yep, this is, uh, this is it. All over, line bitten off. Well, I had the line screaming out of my hand. I've dropped the rod. I've managed to regain the rod while the line's still screaming through my hand. I'm on to backing, 200 yards of backing gone. Shark on the mud flats. And uh, eventually got to the boat to find it. I'd pinned it right behind the, um, the dorsal fin. So I'm pulling this shark backwards. So of the fish that you got, uh, were there particular patterns that were, were working well? There were a couple of flies, just very small bait fish patterns. They worked well, and a lot of people that had those seemed to be able to catch you know, a lot of the nominated species as far as the snapper, the queenfish, GT, salmon. Uh, the elusive one was the barra and the mackerel. Um, there was very few of both of those caught during the comp. Just on that, how do you go catching mackerel on fly anyway? Like, you know, the, if you're a, a regular, inverted commas, regular sort of lure fisho, you know, with mackerel, you know, it might not hesitate to, to put a little bit of wire on or a bit of thick leader. How does that work with fly fishing? Very similar. I mean, the only difference is how we present our hook to the fish. Yes, with fly fishing, you know, you've got to bring it in by hand. So you want a long, even retrieve. Uh, you have sometimes have a little bit of wire, sometimes not. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of putting it in the right spot, fishing in the area where you know there's mackerel and hoping one comes along and takes the fly and hooks up. You've been with the Darwin fly rodders for a good 13, 14 years. Um, having its 20th anniversary comp, it's a pretty good innings too. Well, just having a, um, a club that's still going after 20 years, it's not a clicky club. If you want to learn how to fly fish, come along. We're happy to show you, happy to show you the techniques, happy to show you what type of flies to tie. Yeah, just come along. We're there. You've got to have a thick hide, like any, any fishing club in Darwin. If you don't have a thick hide, then you're in trouble. Thick hide because in strong winds you're going to be pinning yourself all day? Well, you're pinning yourself, but the other thing is when it's, when it's windy, it's choppy. And the fish on the, don't like being on the flats. So you've got to go find some holes. You've got to use heavier lines so that your, your fly gets down deep. So you're trying completely different tactics. It's no longer sight fishing, it's actually prospecting. Another story that happened was um, there was one boat with uh, Tony and George in it and they're fishing away 
along came a big school of tuna. And the tuna popped up one side of the boat. They'd done a quick cast before they knew it. The tuna were on the other side of the boat, so they flicked their lines over the other side. Uh, luckily, they didn't hook up because um, they reckon the line was covering every part of the boat. It was wrapped around everything they could think of, including their toes. And if they'd hooked up, they would have. It would have just been disastrous. It does raise an interesting point, actually, that, that if you want to fly fish, you probably need a little bit of deck space to to, to allow the feeding of the line. Well, I think everyone's tried hand lining, and that's what fly fishing is. It's an extension of hand lining and getting that line out there. So as you know, when you bring in a hand line, it goes damn well everywhere. And if it can find something to wrap on, it will. So you want a boat with nothing in it. <laughs> if there's one little thing, it'll, the fly line will find it. And that includes your toes, fingers, anything it can find, it'll do a double half hitch on. You want no console, you want no throttles. I really want them to find a throttle that doesn't have any levers. Um, I'd really like a, a boat without a steering wheel. That way you don't have a console. Uh, sounders, uh, the way we get around it is we cover them up with towels. So we have a lot of towels over different parts of the boat. Uh, me, I like hacksaws, uh, different parts of the boat. I just cut them off. Go minimal. Go minimal, yeah. Kiss is better. Keep it simple. <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, look, um, congrats on, on 20 years for Darwin Fly Rodders. Hopefully, for everyone's sake, this wind lets up a bit, eh? Every club out there needs the wind to drop. Darwin Fly Rodders, 20th year. It was a fantastic comp. All the sponsors that uh, looked after us, we've got to thank them. And, uh, yeah, let's keep this club going, and I'm sure it will. And I didn't realise I'd spilled super glue on the floor. And I couldn't move because my foot was stuck to the floor. But I did accept that it was in the boat. You don't have to avoid the, the pack at all, you just go straight through the guts. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them while up you. <laughs> Fishos, we all know that pretty much a big wet equals good barra fishing and good barra breeding. And so the opposite is true. But there's some pretty bad news coming out of the daily at just about how bad that wet was and how bad the barra breeding's been, as Warren alluded to a couple of weeks yep. ago, Rocky. Yeah. Alison King is a Principal Research Fellow in Aquatic Ecology and with the Research Institute for Environment and Livelihoods at um, CDU. Alison, you've been monitoring basically barra breeding on the daily for, for over a decade now, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. We've been looking at um, all fish, actually, um, not just obsessed with, obsessed with barra, but all of the fish in right the way through the daily catchment since 2006. We've got three sites, so at Mount Nankar, Bamboo Creek and No Fish Creek. So they represent a sort of a reasonable area of where most fishermen would go. We found really good uh, relationships with the total number of barra, so that was both adults and juveniles with the size of the wet season, so how much... Um, water is in there as well as the amount of food. So both of those things are really important for overall numbers. But really with the juveniles, it was really highly correlated with the size of the wet season. And what was really good for our data, but not so good for fishing, is that this year on the back of this really poor wet season that we've just had, we had really low catches when we went back out there in the early dry season. So for us, it confirmed what we thought was going on. But as I said, not so good in terms of barramundi fishing. How low were they? The lowest on record, um, which is pretty scary in some ways, but also probably, as I said, not unexpected. 
Um, as you mentioned, most fishers know that when you get a good wet season, fish move around, they get up on the floodplains, do their feeding and move around and they're easy to catch. And we also know that we get more of those juvenile barra. But this year, with those really low flows in the daily season, we've got the lowest records on, on record for us in 13 years. So it's really indicating what we would call a sort of a failed recruitment event. So we're likely to see in future years, if you like, a gap in the year class. You should see the look on Rocky's face. She's in, <laughs> she's in pain, as is every, every fish I'm hearing this. How low is the lowest on record? We're getting like one or two number of um, juvenile fish um, per our normal sampling events, which is pathetic. Basically, yeah, no, we would normally, we would normally, when we go out on our um, electrofishing days and we go and do our activities, we would normally be pretty exhausted by a day's activity at any one of our lower sites. Completely failed to breed. Yes, there's not much going on at all this year. An optimistic part of this is that barramundi live for several years. You know, they these are a long-lived species. So one failed event is not going to mean the end of of barramundi fishing. So we, what we've got to do is cross our fingers and hope that we're going to get a really good wet season this year and that all this gap in um, won't be repeated, this gap in year class strength won't be repeated this year and we'll actually have strong numbers coming back into the system um, after this wet season. How long, like how many seasons before we see the levels of barrow where they were? Because, of course, even if they were, if we were to have a good wet season and there's good recruitment, they're still tiny fish. Yeah, that's right. It, so it takes a couple of years to get them um, grown up enough, so three to five years to get them to grow up into a size that they're um, catchable. Um, so it's going to be that long. Um, at, but as I said, there's still barramundi in the system. It's not all doom and gloom. It is, it is lower numbers. We think that the populations will bounce back given the opportunity. Interestingly, though, the cherubin, years ago, you could, you could see a lot of nomads on the river catching a lot of cherubin, and they were dinner plate-sized cherubin. Yeah. And we haven't really seen that for a little while. Is, is there a relationship there? Because they would obviously be bait for barra. They are really also really tightly related to the strength of the wet season in terms of how they breed. We think their numbers have declined. There's not a similar monitoring program going on, but we know a bit more about how they work like how the species operates and they really do require those big flows to get the little uh, larvae flowing down into the marine environment and then they actually breed um sorry move on mass as juveniles up into the system when the water levels start declining so those runoff flow events i should also mention the story for fish is not just about barramundi we also got really low catches of um bait fish so bony brim mullet tarpon catfish all the things that really support um, the barramundi fishery and really make our fisheries really strong, everything is really down this year. All in all, that was traumatic and woeful news, Alison. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but we, we as fishers thank you for over 13 years preparing and continuing to monitor the data because it's damn important work. Fingers crossed for everyone. Most of all, the barra themselves. Exactly. <laughs> that we get a decent wet and nice to hear from you. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. The horrific graph and data are there for you to behold. If you're already in a depressed mood, just go for it, you know. Just go there. Jump in the hole.
But if you're feeling a little buoyant and, you know, heading into a big weekend, leave it till Monday. Because it's quite depressing. It's at ABC uh, Darwin and ABC Tales from the Tinny Facebook pages. It's been quite an absence. But can we welcome back to the Tinny Fishos, the bulldozer-driving poet laureate, Haggis. How the poem come about was we had a big trap shoot here in Darwin, four-day shoot about a month ago, and they come from everywhere, Tassie and, and Victoria, South Australia, New South Wales, and they're all going on about how good the weather was, you know, because it's down there. And they'd been fishing and f***ing crabbing and looking at crocodiles and having a great old time. Tassie blokes were telling me they started shooting claybirds in the sleet and the sleet turned to snow. Then <laughs> the blokes in New South Wales were going on, there's no water in their rivers, we can't catch any fish, and she was just going on and on. Then this bloke, just out of the blue, he said, he said, you know, you bastards live in God's own country. Then I remember the mongrel trip I had down on the Murray River years ago. It was that hole we spent more time in the pub than we did, did at the river. Then the ants invaded our camp and one thing led to another and I thought, well, I'll, I'll just put a poem together and see if you blokes are interested, you know. So. I was coming back from Victoria once, been down to see me mum. Thought I'd fish the mighty Murray and maybe have some fun. Wandered into a pub. It was right by the river. The weather was fairly average, enough to make one shiver. The public can see where you're from, mate. You're not from around here. I said, I come from God's own country. Proceeded to sip me beer. I come from way up north, where we've got the bloody lot. Great weather, barra mud crabs, and lots of big, big crocs. Looking for work or passing through was the next question that he asked. I said, looking to catch a fish, as I finished off my glass. He said, you'll probably need a refill, and I'll tell you where to go. We've all got our secret spots, and the yarns began to flow. There was cod in the bar, 56 the big flood, and when the waters left, the place was full of mud. There was crayfish in the bedrooms, had a big copper going out the back, and the bloody snakes you couldn't count, tigers, browns, and blacks. Well, I finally got to the river and found a place to camp. By then it was fairly dark, so I pumped up my lamp. Got up bright and early, as keen as one could be. Walked out into a log, which was once a mighty tree. But after about three hours, the patience was wearing thin. I hadn't caught a bloody thing and I was running out of tins. So I packed up my fishing gear and headed for the pub. Top up the esky, grab a bit of grub. The publican said, how'd you go, mate? Get yourself a feed. So I poured out my story like my heart was going to bleed. I said, I fished for bloody hours and all I caught was carp. I reckon he'd heard it all before because he didn't even remark. So stocked up and everything and headed back to camp. Not a soul in sight, just millions of f***ing ants. There must have been a thousand just sitting in me swag. So I rolled myself a smoke, proceeded to take a drag. No point in getting angry, we're fishos after all. Some are destined for failure, some will have a ball. We don't throw tantrums, yell and scream, lose the plot. Thought as I stomped around trying to kill the f***ing lot. I spent a week by the river, got to know it rather well. The telly was bugger all, but the publican and I are pals. I stopped in for one last beer, just to say goodbye. He said, at least you had a go, mate, at least you had a try. So I jumped in my ute and slowly drove away and headed for God's own country and I reckon that's where I'll stay.
Red, fast, and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it's the scientific standard for measuring length. Some say that it gives you a guaranteed 20% more luck in catching fish. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. Coops has written in, first of all, and sent a video of him and a couple of mates, well, particularly his two mates, trying to grapple with a shark that's been hooked and brought aboard and is now flailing around on the deck as they dance around it. You know what it, it, it's like? If you make the decision to bring a shark aboard and don't do have you? a bomby knocker at hand, you're, you're likely to be in a whole world of hurt. But why would you do that? Well, this is what Steve says, that these guys are clowns, he used other language, <laughs> and that he needs a TFT uh, 120YYY Delilah Go Fast measuring sticker to cope with them as deckies, and the sticker would probably end up being the smartest thing on the boat. Ow. See, here it comes aboard. <laughs> One guy jumps up on the chair, another guy up to the casting deck, and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> Hang on, I'm up here. Uh, Coop says it'll definitely be the smartest. Whoa! It'll definitely be the smartest thing on my boat and probably become the captain. The sticker coming your way when affixed to the vessel may indeed trump the collective IQ of your crew. Uh, peace be with you, Coops, and may you fly like an eagle through the fog of dodo birds, my friend. You too can get a sticker. Fishing at abc.net.au is the email. Or send us a message on Facebook. This one comes from Mick from Dramana in Victoria. And he's saying, is Nev too cold to fly down south and deliver the said TTFTYYYY sticker? No hassle. Just wondering if Nev is still alive. Nev is still alive. Mm. Cheers, you bastards. Fishing has <laughs> been very slow down here. It was a very cold winter, but the snapper are just about to fire up. So looking forward to that. Good on you, Mick. It's on the way. How cold would it be in Dramana, Victoria now? I have no idea how to work out our seasons versus southern seasons. We're in the dry. We don't care. So it's going to be freezing. <laughs> uh, g'day, Tinny folk. Wombat McGinley here, a long-suffering Church of the Tinny listening potty mullet, calling in from the sunny but frigid Marlborough in New Zealand, where the barra fishing is crap and there is more wine than beer. A local trout-filled river is at the back of my section and I'd humbly like to request a red GoFast 120YYY fish measuring sticker to grace my river-dwelling tinny. I'd love to be able to measure my browns and rainbows as I drift along, dreaming instead of floating a warm, barra-laden river, diving into an esky for a frothy instead of a chilli bin for a Sauvignon Blanc. (laughs) Days on the daily catching the mighty barra Soon may not only be in my dreams, as I've convinced my good wife to apply for some job vacancies on the Daily River so I can, I can be a kept man. Well, <laughs> he's this. thinking. Yes. <laughs> Better than diving into the chili bin for a Sauvignon Blanc. That is for sure. My only chore would be keeping fish on the table if we got that job. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome, Why Wombat? Why can't Wombat apply for his own job? <laughs> <laughs> because then he doesn't, he doesn't have time to fish. But then she would. She'd be a kept woman. I'm on her side. I'm on Wombat's side. (laughs) Although that part may be more dream than reality. There we go. He knows he's dreaming. 
Uh, thanks in advance, and I'll point Neville in the direction of a bit of Kiwi albatross fluff when he arrives. Well, that would be very courteous of you, Wombat. P.S. The trout are decent, fun fish, averaging seven to nine pounds. But they still aren't, Barra. That's the truth. Yeah, yes. John McGinley in Langham in uh, New, Ze- New Zealand. One from the Barossa Valley, because we're keeping cold here. Yeah, well, aren't we? Yeah. Howdy, boys and girls. It's been a while. Way back after Christmas, I reported that my fish measuring sticker wasn't producing the guaranteed performance increases. And it's your fault. You put it on wrong. Or you haven't said praise be the mullet. I trusted that the results would come, and it was likely an accumulative performance increase achievable through blind ambition Mm. and persistent effort. Mm. What is the scientific term for luck? Anyway, we recently fished over on York's Peninsula in South Australia. My twin sons joined me trying to track down some King George whiting. I've reported before about bagging out and feeling pretty happy with myself with a freezer stocked up with fresh fillets. Like magic, we worked out where the fish were. And, well, this sticker is the only thing that can be attributed to the holy grail of a boat limit. Mm. A rare occurrence for me and my sons, who both have boats and fish regularly. At the end of the day, they comment that a great fishing measuring sticker, geez, even goes up to 120 centimetres, wouldn't mind one of those on my boat. Said the sons. Said the sons. If only they knew the power of its presence. Could I please have two stickers? Because, as he said, there's twins. Mm. I wouldn't want to start a fight. Fair enough. Picture of Brad is included with the scaler bag with some of the haul. You can see the corner of the sticker bottom right. It took two loads to scale them all. Yeah, they cleaned up. So that's from David Russ. Nuriutba. See, it does come eventually. Don't blame the sticker, mate. It's proven there. The sticker does its job. You bagged out. You, you just hadn't said the hymns correctly or you... You didn't stick it on correctly. It was probably Don't. askew. Yeah, it's the operator's fault. Don't blame the tools. And there are two on their way to Nooriutpa in the Barossa Valley. You two can get a sticker up. You're fishing at abc.net.au or uh, send a message at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Tales. If you think like a mullet, you will catch the barramundi. From the Tinny. Mate, I'm just adoring your mullet. Get a mullet up, ya. <laughs> Groot Island Ladies Fishing Comp starts this weekend, Tim, with a huge number of women taking part. I think there's about 119 competitors. We caught up with a couple of the ladies that organised the competition, Alia Stevenson and Taylor Rhodes. It's going to be awesome. There's heaps of ladies going out. We have 34 teams and 119 ladies registered. 22 uh, different species on our list. The team with the most species caught as the overall winner. And we have first, second and third place. But we also have just to mix it up a bit as well, certain fish that if you catch those fish, um, the biggest or the longest fish get the prize as well. We've got catfish, we've got salmon, we've got um, remora, we've got golden snapper, the trevally, of course. You've got your queen's fish, you've got your nanagai, red emperor. You've got remora as a scoring fish. Yeah, how does that yeah. work? How do, you, how do you target remora? Shark. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something in the rules to say that it has to be on a hook? <laughs> no, it can be on the shark. No, <laughs> if you... it can be uh, as long as it touches the side of the boat. So it could be in a net, it could be attached to a shark. <laughs> so have you got a plan of attack, Taylor? My plan of attack is to make sure the boat is, is plenty loaded up of, of alcohol and food. <laughs> yeah, have a good time. <laughs> have a good time, yeah. I'm... I'm not very competitive in the way of the, the sporting side of it, but I, I find it an awesome weekend. It's a really good chance for ladies to get out there and give something a go that they wouldn't normally 
do on an everyday basis. You know, over 80% of the women that have registered to fish this year are mums as well. So just to get get out of the house, get away from the kids for a long weekend, just to have a good time is always, always a good excuse as well. Absolutely. Taylor Rhodes, the organiser of the Group Ladies Fishing Comp. The president of uh, the committee is Alia Stevenson. Alia, uh, how do you intend to target Remora this weekend? Oh, <laughs> I've um, tried this for a few years running now and I've not been successful. I, I have spent a few hours shark fishing and I wanted to jump over the side of the boat with a net and grab one, but with the sharks in the water, my husband won't allow it. <laughs> you actually do target them. That's hilarious. How many? What, what's your best of the 25 species, wasn't it? What, what's your best so far? I've caught 21 one year. Wow, that, that's Whoa. amazing. Well, not with my team. It's a, it's a team effort. <laughs> yeah. But um, as Taylor said, I am very competitive. <laughs> so have, have you got a plan of attack then coming into the weekend about which areas you're going to target, which species you're going to go for first and in, in what locations? Yeah, you catch a fish, you tick it off the list and you move. You don't stay in one spot for long. We will definitely be targeting the length. We want the longest fish categories. How many days is the competition run over? For two days, but over two weekends. So you've got Saturday and Sunday consecutively. Yeah. This weekend it begins, and then the following weekend it will finish because people do shift work on Grid Island. Well, how's the weather looking over the weekend? Not great. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be from 15 to 20 knots. It'll be okay. The fishing's actually been amazing. I've seen a few of the longest lengths that ladies have been catching just throughout the um, last few months, and they've all been quite large. Yeah, we caught up earlier with Bomber. He reckons the billies have started early over there as well. Got five just in one morning, which is pretty good for September. Are, are billfish scorers amongst the 25 species, though? They have been in the past. We've actually removed them because... I'm not a bill fisherman. I, oh, um, really? So you've set the rules to suit yourself? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good on <Yeah>. you. <laughs> President I, um, privilege. I find it extremely boring. <laughs> so I didn't want to spend time needing to capture a species. Best of luck to you both, guys, and we, we might catch up after the comp and see how it all went. Oh, that'd be great. Good luck, girls. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Alia Stevenson, who's the president of the Group Ladies Fishing Comp Committee, and Taylor Rhodes, the comp organiser. I'm setting a challenge for the ladies for next year's event. Yep. Uh, there was apparently two women skippers, so in two independent teams as such. So it yeah, might full, be... full female teams. Yeah, yep. so maybe they could double that next year and, and maybe create a category for an independent team. SWB held on the weekend and um, once again the person that wears out that podium more than anybody else, Tash Rammers from Skirt Stitching Work. I heard someone refer to you as the silent assassin. I've never known you to be silent <laughs> ever in your life and I bet you weren't silent. No, that, that's Helen Stewart, H. Yeah. They nicknamed me Dory because I've got a memory like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Melita was the weapon. So weapon, silent assassin, and I got Dory, Gammon. You had good reason to do plenty of shouting coming into day two. Well, we couldn't believe we were that far in the lead. Like, um, I think it was 290 points or something. Um, yeah, we were a bit, bit, bit stunned, but yeah. We were... What do you mean, bit stunned? You do that every year. Come on. <laughs> oh, we thought it'd be a bit closer because the first half of the day was pretty slow, and then the last half, we smashed it, and we went and going confident, thinking, yeah, we'll be up there, but I reckon it'll be pretty tight, and then, yeah, no, we were surprised, yeah, because um, no, usually we like to have a barra on the board, and we had no barra 
So you, all your fish were all toga. All toga, over no the two days. at all. I saw one barra, somebody holding it up as we drove past, and we had that gut-wrenching feeling going, oh, we've only got four toga on the boat. <laughs> you were way ahead on toga. We had a great day's fishing. We had a ball, and we were not on the ball at all. We had a great time, got 13 toga, um, and then we handed our scorecard in four minutes late. Lost our day two score. Gone. Gone. Whole a day two. And how many fish would have been on that scorecard that day? Thirteen fish. So we had fifteen fish the first day, thirteen the second day, and um, and yeah, we had a really good day. But H smashed it that day. She, um, the silent assassin, was on. We didn't hear her. We didn't hear any of the fish. She was just just pulling him in. It was like turn around. H is on a fish. She's one of those who, when she hooks up, doesn't even grunt. No. Doesn't say a thing. Yep, pretty much, Lee. <laughs> yeah. That's why I try to put her closer this year because actually see what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, so, all you hear is net. So Dory and the silent assassin and the, the weapon, weapon took it out even though they lost all their day two points. Kelly Carroll is also here who came up second and is shaking her head in absolute disgust. When we um, found out that um, Skirt Stitching Work had lost their day five points, you were under stoked? No, under no, I was under no illusion that they'd still won. I just knew that that we hadn't got enough to even beat their day one score. We got close, obviously, about 40 points, but we were under no illusion that we were not going to be, you know, the champion team. Like, I didn't even know my name had been called out for runner-up champion angler. I was sitting there going, I'm so tired, I just want to go to bed. Next minute, Kelly Carroll, and I'm like, what was that for? Not the lucky door prize, Kel. Not the lucky door prize. Oh, Kelly, I wish you'd told me that you didn't that you didn't get out of school because I'd smashed ten dozen beer and I don't know how to express the martinis. I don't remember a thing, a presentation. So, no, Tash, you didn't think you'd won because no. you lost your day two score. No. So you thought you'd you'd you'd, you'd no. had to let go. So you relented and partied on. Yeah, it's cause, how else do you deal with it? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> fish shows. You find out you lost your points. It's like no way somebody didn't like you guys didn't get. I thought you would get three hundred points easy. So we're like, right. Get on it. Any self-respecting fish tash would have done exactly as you did. So across the whole comp, fishing was pretty tough, though. Do we Were there many, any barra caught? Five on the first day and nine on the second. 84 ta- Saratoga were caught overall. My team, we generally just sort of target the toga and a bonus if, if we get a barra, which has happened in the... You know, has happened in the past, but we target the toga. Gaps in the lilies that you can bring the, the lure back without too much trouble. I have to say I used one lure the whole comp. It's white and it's little, flashy hook in it, and it has a tiny little iridescent purple belly, and they bite me really hard. Tash, what were you using? Um, very similar. Um, we've do, done nothing any different than we do any other year, um, and I'm quite open about what we do. We're um, weedless soft plastics, um, but all of us mix it up. All of us have got something different on to see who's what's got the bite on, but always weedless soft plastics, and we're working deep into the lilies, really deep into them. The first challenge was to hook it. The second challenge is to get it out. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it is a challenge. Yes. Most yeah. were lost. And, Most were lost, oh, so dragging much, them out. Yeah, yeah, so much action, like heaps of action, but our conversion rate before the comp was about one in six toga. So, And the bite was funny during the comp. Um we had to really work on different retrievals. Sometimes they come in and smash it, and then other times we're sitting there resting it, and then suddenly mm. they'd come on and feel a couple of little tugs. You're like, oh, are they, aren't they? How long do I leave it? All right, and if you leave it too long, they'll take you too deeps into the lilies, and, and they ping you on them. Mm. Uh, it's a, it was a real waiting game of- judging. It was a It was a difficult situation to try and... 
work out how to. They're yeah, kind of mouthing the lure, yeah. aren't yeah. they? They're not actually biting into it, and it's almost like they've got it on the their lips. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. You know, you you try and hook it, you lose it. Yeah. You, you you leave it, it rest, out. and you yeah. lose it. So it's it is difficult, frustrating, and yeah. obviously yeah. went our way more than not this year. But um, years ago, when the tiger really fired up, you get the massive bow wave coming up afterwards, and that is. The funnest fishing for toga. That's what we love. It's None awesome, of that this year. None yeah. of that this year. There was no bow waves chasing it out. They were just, yeah. And barra just aren't there. No. We could see um, the barra and we, were, we had our lures right in front of them and they were just sniffing it. Oh, not interested? No, nah, not even interested. It's right there. Just eat it. So a successful win again. For you, Tash. And Kel, you've consistently, you know, improved every year to get up into that second place. So it's game on next year. Gold caviar next year. Gold yeah, caviar. Yeah. No, it is quite funny because um, since sort of being um, with these girls, I I think in the four years or something, it, we've been fourth, third, second. Look out. Bring it, bring it, bring it. Some healthy competition for next year, no doubt. I've got to say that um, my team and I, we never did one recce beforehand. Because oh. we could never coordinate ourselves to get together at the same time. So the first time we got in the water was, you know, 4.30 on Friday morning. <laughs> so, and he comes second. And, and I have no girl. idea how we Do you know how many hours we spent on that pool? <laughs> yeah, did bloody so, well considering. Yes. Congratulations to you both, Tash Rammers and Kelly Carroll. Thanks for coming in. A pleasure. No worries. Tash's team were so serious about their pre-fishing. They had colour-coded maps for the team to make sure on each recce, whichever team member was going out, was canvassing a different colour-coded area of the billabong in a strategic and coordinated fashion. Fans of the data, they kept a lot. Uh, we were privileged enough to see some of that data. Yeah, it's good to collect data. Mm. I mean, I, mm. I haven't done it as extensive as, as Tasha's team well, have. Uh, that was quite full on. But it is interesting when you do do that and, you, you, you know, you can work out, you know, what your catch rates are and stuff and, yeah, it helps. The first correlation was between the wet seas, the previous wet seasons and how SWB went that year mm. uh, in numbers of fish and in scores uh, since 2013. And obviously it follows a pretty clear pattern. You know, mm. Higher wet season, higher scores, higher numbers of um, higher numbers of fish across the board. And it also shows, which is interesting, that 46.4% of the fish that they caught were caught between 2 to 4 p.m. See, that's excellent, excellent, yeah. excellent data. Yeah. 14% between 6 and 8 a.m., yeah. which is when most of us would head to corroboree and call it the bite window. Because a lot of a lot of teams, you know, over the years have caught the, you know, they haven't caught a lot, but they've caught their fish in the morning and then that's it. When you look at Tasha's um, stats, you can clearly see it, it quietened out in the middle of the day, but it's certainly big bite time. Two to four. Yeah. Very interesting. And if you'd like to see more of how um, someone deals with losing their entire day's points in a fishing comp, you can enjoy those titillating videos now all over Bookface. <laughs> She's going to love you. Filmed and posted with love by her fellow competitors in SWB. Thanks to Warren DeWitt and good luck on your black bass trip, Warren, and celebrating your big 6-0, the 60th. Also thanks to Tash Rammers, Kelly Carroll, the BC man, Tim Harding, Haggis, thanks for your poem, Professor Alison King, Alia Stevenson and Taylor Rhodes. And until next week, fishos, get a mullet up ya.